0: Hi, welcome to another exciting edition of the Falkirk Center podcast here on the campus of Liberty University, where Christ is king, church is essential, and freedom is everything. And today I'm joined by none other than the senior pastor of Fellowship Church, Pastor Ed Young Jr. Pastor Ed, welcome to the Falkirk Center podcast.
1: It is a pleasure to be here, Ryan. This is uh, an amazing Thing and I'm looking forward to our conversation. We'll have a we'll have a great time. I'm going to learn a lot. I uh, can tell already.
0: I've learned a lot by just watching you and listening to you speak. You're, <laughs> I'm telling you, Pastor, you did a, a you've done an amazing series so far. The United States of Amnesia. Mm-hmm. And um, as I bring up this topic, one of the things you're an author of a, a recent book. It, what's the name of this book? By it's the way? called the
1: Fear Virus. You can okay. get it on Amazon. The Fear great. Virus.
0: The fear mm-hmm. virus. And and as I think about where our culture is headed right now, as we're recording this, we do not yeah. yet know who the next president of the United States is going to be. It, it mm-hmm. will either be Donald Trump for another four years, or it'll be former Vice President Joe Biden. Um, and certainly there's a battle that's happening with these counts. It might be a legal battle. Uh, it might go to, to Michigan and Wisconsin where they, they do a recount. Who knows? But what we know is that Christ is seated on his throne, and as a church, That's we've been right. called to be faithful. And I what I just want to talk about this series. First of all, why did you determine that right now in this particular moment you would be talking about, about Marxism uh, and about critical theory?
1: Well, just looking at our culture and talking to so many people, you know, I love to ask questions. And it would be a combination of asking God, of course, where, where he's leading me to, to speak, to lead the church. And then that plays out into asking people in culture different questions and just seeing these these trends, I mean, through a biblical worldview, mm-hmm. which I preached on several months ago, that just got me really into it. So I'm going like, man, I'm going to do something on Marxism, critical theory, postmodernism because we have to think how we think. I think our culture, that's funny. I think our culture, yeah, our <laughs> culture, we just like just just have to have dumbed everything down and mm. and it's all this commotion with our emotion. And we've forgotten how to speak the truth in love. And and I think another reason that I that I did this was I saw so many churches, which I will not name, and so many leaders, young leaders, and older leaders, and young and older Christians, who just kind of said, "Okay, here's the soft serve ice cream. Mm. We're not going to talk about the elephant in the room." Yeah, because y- you have got to talk about truth. yes, and and I think in our in our world, talking about thinking again with with social media, everything has become like clicks and likes and views. And as pastors, we are scared to death Mm. for any sort of controversy, criticism, or people actually leaving the church. Mm. So what we've done is we've retreated to our closet. we put on our skinny jeans, our tight t-shirts, and our fake tans and gold chains and high dollar tennis shoes. And we just talk about grace and love and forgiveness and empathy and compassion and compassion. And I'm like, what? Mm. Now that's obviously part of the gospel. We're to be compassionate, but we have an issue going on here. Mm. And I believe all these issues that we're, we're, uh, that, that we're addressing critical theory, Marxism, Marxism 2.0, whatever, whatever. I think it's a a brilliant strategy from Satan himself.
0: Yes. I I, I totally agree with you. I want to, I want to, Focusing on two key passages that that okay. you brought up in your sermon. i'm gonna I'm just gonna read them because I think about people who might be listening to this. One is Colossians two and uh, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of of this world, and not according to Christ. And then Galatians one, six and seven, I'm astonished, uh, as Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And so, Mm -hmm. wow, I mean, this, this was happening in the first century. You pointed it out. It's Gnosticism. Mm. Pastor, what is Gnosticism for those who are kind of I mean, just a, a kind of a layman's definition. I don't necessarily mean like a Webster, but just some hey, people Ryan, are thinking. All right.
1: You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to defer to you on that one. I um, wanna hear your definition because yeah. I I would flub it up and, and you're like you're the you're the master orator here. I mean, <laughs> just in our conversations already, I, I'll, I, I've got my pen out. Okay, let me take notes. Okay, let me hear it.
0: Yeah. So in the in the first century, as I think about okay. the Gnostic heresy or the Gnostic tendency, and and very mm-hmm. similar to Arianism that appears later, is this idea that uh, Christ did not have a body. Uh, right. th- so this is based on kind of a Gentile philosophy that all flesh is bad. Um, the mm-hmm. Manichaeists that later influenced uh, someone like Augustine was on this whole idea, this whole identity that the flesh is. Evil I was just going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so, so basically, Gnosticism enters <laughs> into the church, and so uh, I, we yeah. we look at, uh, for example, uh, in the Gospels where Thomas was doubting, and he touched physically the okay. body of Christ, and so we know that the resurrection was physical, that he didn't just become, he wasn't just a spirit, that he, that he ate, he sat down and he ate with, uh, with uh, the Apostle Peter after the resurrection. And so the Gnostics were going around with this heresy that was trying to divide, divide the physical from the spiritual. And the other part mm-hmm. of Gnostic is the word gnosis to know. That's right. And yeah. so it was like a secret, hidden knowledge that you had to, You had to almost have a second conversion Mm -hmm. experience to this Gnostic understanding of truth, and you had to ascend to that level. And why Mm -hmm. I think, Pastor, it was so good that you pointed this out is because Gnosticism is still alive and well in the church today. And I think it Mm -hmm. is in this Marxist notion of things where we're hyphenating the gospel, putting an asterisk beside it. That's right. You know, and so you have these compound terms that we put together, and it's like, where if you're not woke, you may not be saved. You need to know this this other sort of thing, Mm -hmm. and it's very gnostic in its in its approach. Um,
1: What I mean—that's so well said. And you know, I I majored in the fine arts when I was at Florida State, and I I don't do this a lot, but sometimes I actually try to illustrate and draw mm-hmm. what what I'm speaking. I heard someone say a brilliant guy say that if you can't draw out with cartoons what you're saying or what you're presenting then you're not ready to, to say anything. I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Yeah. Anyway, no so
0: yeah you I just, just thought visual of a, aids are just awesome. Thought,
1: mm-hmm. Well I just thought of a, a a term because if you take for example classical Marxism with critical theory. Combine that with this postmodern mentality, I thought three ingredients, and I started thinking about Marks, 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 Marksarita. Mark yeah. Mark, can, can I say that? Marksarita. Of course. And <laughs> you have the three ingredients that makes this Marksarita. So I actually drew that on this board before our church, and people laughed and, you know, okay, yeah, I get it now. And then I talked about how our culture, we've been guzzling Pictures of Mark Sarita's.
0: Mm.
1: We're intoxicated. We're we're just drunk off of deception, off emotion, mm. off of wokeness, mm. and it's taken us to some bad, bad places. So I tried to show historically where we've come from, where we are today, and I really tried to hone in on uh, who Karl Marx was. I tried to get in a little bit to You know, critical theory hit the high points, the Wikipedia, as you said. Yeah. Then segue into into truth, truth being relative. If you're a postmodernist and you mix all that together and you have what our culture is having. So I would say just a burden was one of the reasons that I did the series. And also, I wanted to learn more about it. But I've seen and experienced so many of even my friends and things who are leaders and 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 I mean, I, I challenge them to step up, but so many, mm. in my opinion, are just mailing it in, so to speak. They're not really standing. So I think it's a time for us to stand to speak the truth in love, obviously. Mm. But sometimes you're going to get people who are haters. Sometimes people are going to sh- throw shade on you. Yeah, you're going to get criticism. I mean, think about all the people that left Jesus in the Gospels. So. I, I don't know. I just, uh, and you know what's too, too so interesting about this topic, mm-hmm. Ryan, is when, is when I um, started this series, I cannot tell you the support and encouragement that we have had as a church that I even have had personally. And you know how much pastors love compliments
0: <laughs> because
1: right. of, of of this topic.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, here we are in this, in this COVID craziness and we're having all of these guests, visitors come to our church. Yes. Now, obviously our church doesn't have the crowds it used to because of COVID, but people are into it. I have been inundated by positive things. Mm. Going into it, I was thinking, well, I mean, people are probably not going to dig this or whatever, whatever. I mean, we got some negative stuff, but by and large, it's like thank you, Church Fellowship Church, for stepping up and speaking out in a in a in a bold way. And not that we're the best church or anything, but mm. I just really applaud brilliant people like you having venues like this where we can talk about these things. And and it's um um it's a it's a it's a difficult time and challenging days. I, I want to uh, ask you too, if I could, Ryan. Yeah. About you, you, you told me something that that I've never heard it put this way. It was it was brilliant. It it was um, right before we we started this, you were talking about wokeness, mm. the sin of empathy. Mm. I I started running into that more and more as I as I've done some traveling, you know, domestically and internationally. And I remember even hearing sermons, conferences and things, I I was going like, man, that's great. You know, I I got teary and I felt a tingle in my spine. But I I mean, let's hear some truth. I mean, what am I I supposed to do, you know, because of it? And I'm just asking you, Mm. what do you say about this, as you call it, the sin of empathy? and, And where can that take us? I might, I might preach that this Sunday. That's why I have my
0: yeah, pen out. I, I, so, so a couple of things, and Pastor, I'm so humbled you'd even ask me this. Um, no, I, actually, I promise. It's a fact. We haven't even planned this, guys. So if you're listening to this, you're like, what is going on? We're just, no. we're just having a conversation. Yes, uh, we're having a great time. So, so as we were talking off camera, and we were trying to in the studio, our guys who are awesome, by the way, were trying yes, to figure out how to get the the monitor situated and i i currently actually cannot see uh, pastor ed's handsome face so i can't see <sighs> him on the other end but we were talking and so one of the things and and as i think about people who potentially listen to this i want to i want to say like i know your heart is in loving correction some people have stepped across that line you want to bring them back yeah. back to the standard yeah, of truth yeah, yes. we yes. have friends you have friends i have friends yep. who probably over the summer posted a blackout square in support of BLM. And they were yep. probably in support of the statement, Black Lives Matter. They probably they were not in support That's of right. the organization Black Lives yes. Matter. But f- f- through the confusion of that moment, probably in a way unintended, ended up s- casting support for something they did not want to support. And so uh, when I look at sin of empathy, what I'm talking about is this moment where truth is no longer in majority opinion, that we're really concerned by compassion and by our desires and our feelings, this raw emotion, raw emotion that is has no rudder, has no compass. So you're saying
1: truth is no longer... Get rid
0: of it. it. It, it doesn't at that point matter. What matters is how we feel in this moment what matters is that, that we're sending the right signals yes. to the people out there that show that we are we are all about love right remember the exactly. summer summer of love in in seattle they promoted it as a summer of love and there were it was mostly peaceful protest and so you're looking at that and you're like what in the world there there's looting there's people that are actually being raped that 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 there the, there there are, there are fires uh-huh. being started. People having I mean, their bur- uh, their their businesses burned down. And you're like this is not a summer of love, but something about us guzzling down like you say. This Mark Sarita is that in our current culture, especially in Christianity, cultural Christianity, which I'm going to even differentiate from biblical truth. Yeah, let me let me hear that. Yeah, biblical truth, it, biblical truth that is that is rooted in Scripture versus a kind of cultural understanding of things where we say, well, I'm a Christian and you're a Christian, and and uh, we're not even defining what that actually means to be a Christian. We're not actually defining right. what it means to be born again, what it means that we have sinned, but then Christ died for us on the cross, and that if we put our faith and trust in Him, we'll have forgiveness. Yeah. We don't define that in terms of biblical, but we call each other Christian, and then Yes. We're defining Christianity by love, but not the truth of the gospel. I think you enter into this moment where you succumb to the sin of empathy to where you have no longer objective truth. I'm going to give you one example in Scripture. There are many, many examples, but I'll give you one example. In the book of John, I'm walking through my ki- my, uh, the book of John with my kids. Yes. And so John chapter 4, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's he doing there? Why is he right. talking to this woman? It's Jacob's well, and they're going down exactly. there, and she's going to draw up water from it. And in that moment, Jesus does two things. He shows compassion because mm-hmm. he has a conversation with a woman that he shouldn't even be having a conversation with because of the, because of the divide and the that's prejudice right. that's against the Jew and the Samaritan people. So, so rule that out. He's showing compassion. But in that moment, he says, woman, go call your husband. And then and then and then in that moment he points out to her, yeah, you you have actually six husbands, and then the one you're with is not your husband. That's um, right. And so in that in that moment, he actually speaks the truth. And then he goes to the, the the main point of why he's even there, and he talks about living water where she'll thirst no more. He says, yeah. He says, The time will come when true worshipers must worship God in spirit and in truth. That is the church. Yes of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redeemed okay. church. And so I think what's happening in this sort of cultural malaise is that we've forgotten the gospel. People are Christianizing things that are not Christian. Um, you talk about a biblical worldview. Uh, I got my bell rung a few weeks ago by Pastor John MacArthur, who said, it's not enough to have a Christian worldview. You need a biblical worldview.
1: Biblical. One that's okay, rooted so, in scripture. So you said we've forgotten... The gospel, and yes. then you said we're Christianizing. What'd you say? Christianizing
0: like the things that are not Christian, and Woof. yeah, we like,
1: have, like, like. Give me, give me an example of that.
0: Well, I mean, um, we things enter in the church where we start to the cultural uh, terms for compassion, the way in which we need to love one another. Um uh-huh. the way in which we okay let me let me uh, okay. I see this all the time the kind of the oprification of the church you just need to live out your truth and you're like your truth what's that it's like you do you um i yeah. see i hear that in the church all the time and i'm like what what are you talking about your truth it's not your truth or my truth That's it's right. god's truth if it's any truth um and i might have a perspective on these things but ultimately it's what god teaches through his Mm. word not my opinion okay Um,
1: let me ask you another controversial question (laughs) ryan this is man i'm learning a ton and i know the listeners and the viewers are too uh all right i love the i love the worship movement awesome yeah okay but could that draw in just a thought so much emotion, yeah. That it with that the commotion of emotion just kind of blinds us from from truth. I mean, I didn't I didn't ask the question or say it right. You but
0: said it perfectly because I know exactly. Oh. I'm, I'm smiling because, uh, Pastor, uh, the biggest thing in this world that that we're dealing with within evangelicalism. Is we have these worshiping churches right now? Yes, and uh, they're uh, and I'm not like I have friends that are in this movement, so I and I love them. I do, I, I yeah, do too. I yeah, have. Yeah. Yes. And so I'm not like you they're know, I'm naming names, yeah. and I'm not throwing labels, right. but I, I do. That. But I do want people to hear this because in this particular moment, you do have churches that are that are, they call themselves worshiping churches, and they're. There no, there's no real defined orthodoxy. There's no real defined, carefully defined statement of faith. And I. this is where everybody kind of goes square for a moment because they're like, oh, come on. You're just you're just quenching what the Spirit of God is going to do. That's right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, look, the Spirit of God it brings order out of chaos, right? That's right. The Spirit of God introduces clarity into a conversation. The Spirit of God brings truth. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and sheds light on error and on falsehood. And so wherever the, the Spirit of God is moving, yeah, you're going to have rejoicing, you're going to have singing of songs. I mean, mm-hmm. Martin Luther, the great reformer, yep. said, don't ever trust a pastor who can't sing. You know, I, I agree with that. You know, we, we do need to be uh, offering our praise and our worship to God. But, but I do believe that there is a hyper-emotional movement that is not really anchored in biblical truth, that kind of almost anything goes. And if it feels right, do it, express it in some sort of way. And I'm really concerned about this this generation, my generation and younger, the Gen Z, um, that they're getting caught up in that kind of thing. They want to dance like a dervish on Sunday morning. Um, and just enthralled in praise, but they're walking away and they may not know the gospel. They may not right. actually be saved. I think that's a genuine concern mm-hmm. and a threat to the church.
1: Okay, yeah. Ryan, I, I believe part of this happened because of the of the emphasis um, maybe 20, 30 years ago before you were born on lifestyle evangelism, which we, I, I'm all... I'm all up into lifestyle evangelism. I think one of the things that pastors need to think through every time they they stand or speak or whatever, or or anyone, worship leaders, you need to think about who's there. So we like to build our church around chairs. Chair one is that person that does not know the Lord, asking questions, kicking tires. Chair two would be the person who's brand new, mm-hmm. a brand new believer. And chair three would be those who are full court full court followers of Christ. Yes. So you need to think about those chairs. It's like if if I invited you over to my house to eat, we would defer to you, listen to you, and if I went into some family story with inside humor, I would explain it so you would hopefully get it. Mm. So I love that the church has done that, but what I'm afraid is we have. This is an old saying, but it's so true. We've crossed over, but we forgot we've forgotten to bring the crossover. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We 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 have we have built bridges great because you know pastors are dressing, hopefully cooler, you know, stuff and the, the music and everything. But I, I I don't see, I mean, even okay, let's take, for example, the issue of um transgenderism, homosexuality. Let's yeah, say that absolutely let's just throw that out there. Okay. Um, I've heard people say, some friends of mine. Oh, I'm not going to publicly talk about that from scripture. Mm. That's that's got to be a private conversation mm. with me and the person. You yeah. know the adulterer, or the fornicator, but in that instance the 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 homosexual. Right. And I'm going like, "Man, that sounds good, but I don't know if those private conversations ever come around if you have a church more than, you know, 2 or 300 people." So, it it's yeah, I think we're so we're so afraid to offend anyone to 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 to, to preach the truth. It's just I don't know. I, I uh,
0: two things, two things, Pastor, that just came to my mind. Our methodology has gone so wacky that our methodology has divorced us from the message. So we've lost right. the message of the gospel. Galatians one yeah. six and seven, and we platform our compassion and we put truth in a closet. So brilliant. and and so like you're talking about the very thing that I think is so true is that the the pl- in the platforming of our compassion we show and we put it on a giant billboard everyone is welcome. We love right. every single we put that out there and that's true. We do. We yeah. we we yeah. we do love everybody. But when we put Truth in the closet, and we say, "Well, that's a closet conversation." I'm going to have that conversation over there. I'll bring that out. I'll bring that out. And they're like, when's that happening? When's that? Yeah. A, when's that going to happen? And I think mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right because then the 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 ecclesia, the entire church yeah. that's gathered there for the preaching and teaching God's word, they're opening. They're not even opening up their Bibles. Let's be honest. But the ones that are, uh, they're not hearing it from the pulpit. And so they don't actually know what you're standing for. You know, those the, the, the churches that are That's out there right. that platform compassion, but truth is in a closet. And I think you're mm. exactly right. Uh, um, I You know, it's interesting. Uh, I wasn't around for the Jesus movement. I wasn't mm. around for those moments where, you know, they kind of come in waves. Um, I wasn't either. But I've, I, I've been told about it. I know about all the, you know, I think yeah. it's Chuck Smith and some other churches yes. that started out of the Jesus movement. I know my pastor growing up, Jack Graham, was heavily influenced by the Jesus movement. Um, and there there are many others in this current wake. And I think this is why your series is so important. This is a movement where Marxism has become the big thing. Yeah. And people are defining now justice, compassion, truth based on this ideology, and you were talking about we need to th- we need to think about how we think. People yes. don't know that it has already snatched their thinking. It's cap taken them captive in terms of how they think about how they that's think. right. They don't have any other they're seeing it through these lenses and Through the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. So
1: that's just brilliant, brilliantly said that is so. So, so spot on.
0: I'm, I'm wondering, well, thank you. And I, I I, I, I not intended at all, but I, I want I'm wondering as you, if you uh. think about fear and you think about the fact that in this moment, you've had other pastors who have been afraid, yes. what, obviously your church has rallied around you, have said, pastor, this is what we need to be talking about. Uh-huh. Pastor, we're so thankful that you've taken a stand. I went out to, uh, Grace Church in California, Johnny Mack, Pastor Johnny Mack, he is not a charismatic pastor. Right now, no. he looks like one on Sunday morning. And the only reason I say that is because everybody is getting up with just this this emotion, wow. and they're rallying yeah. around their leader. That's that's uh-huh. the thing. They're rallying around their shepherd. That's good. And, and your church is rallying around you. What is the rallying cry for those pastors who might be in fear or might say to you, Pastor... Ed, hey, listen, if I do that, man, they're going to come after me. That's what I'm going to lose it. Or I
1: can't do that in my city or my town. They tell me that. How
0: do you I mean, how do you say, what do you say to them that might encourage them, give them courage and say, no, 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 no. This is where, this is where, this is the hill on which to die. This is the moment. This is the stand. How
1: do do I tell, how do I encourage them? I just will, will tell them it's once you get out there, it's, it's awesome. I, that's, I mean, I know that's simple, but once you once you uh, crash through the quitting point, the quitting point being, I'm just going to play it safe. Mm. I'm going to keep the conversations, you know, in the closet. But once you go bold mm. and use your God-given creativity, innovation, leadership to speak about these issues, then it's going to be awesome because people are literally dying to hear about this. Mm. It, it, it's part of the scriptures. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it deals with things like that. And, and uh, I, over the years too, Ryan, I've been invited to, to speak at some places and I've even had when, one time I was uh, going to a place and I was going to speak about a particular topic. And, and some of the leaders called me, and they were like, man, we've, we've never talked about that. Mm. And it was about hell. Mm. And I said, man, I, you know, here, here's the message. It's going to be direct, but with love and everything. So, I I remember going unbelievable. I, I I was I was so angry anyway. But but um, I did the message, of course, and you know it was it was I guess it was fine and all that. Yeah. But um, that's what I would tell these guys. I would I, I would tell them it's about using the right words, the 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 right um illustrations, brilliant people like you and stuff, you've written, you've spoken, just just take those things. That's yeah. what I do. I, I listen to people, ask questions, take those things and run it through my personality mm. and then preach it, mm. you know? Absolutely. So, the work has been done. The right way to say it has been said already. All you got to do is... That's one of the beautiful things about social media, mm. the, the World Wide Web. You go on and you can read and listen to all sorts of brilliant people.
0: Mm. I don't I, know if that makes sense. It does. And one other thing. It absolutely does. And that's where I draw yeah. encouragement. That's how I found your sermon. Um, I saw it actually on Facebook. and really? So as I was going through Facebook... And by the way... It, did they pull this down? Yeah, they,
1: they pulled down, yeah. Ryan. We did an ad. You know, We, we utilize social media like everybody does. But we did an ad about the United States of amnesia. Mm. And I said, we the sheeple. And I just said, I just say anything like I go, you know, this is a series that, you know, we need to hear. It's about truth versus relativism. Some just basic stuff like that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Shut it down.
0: Yes. So (laughs) that's exactly right. And this is my concern. And this is the tech oligarchs and all of that. You weren't saying anything overtly political. You weren't offering an endorsement of who the president is. No, 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 no. And so you were actually just, this is you as a pastor in a sermon series. And I think this is kind of my hunch. And this is Christians who are listening to this, Mm -hmm. that... That moving forward, this will be the defining issue that it comes down to if you don't accept cultural Marxism, if you don't accept this critical theory, because I really believe they want a new cultural hegemony, the tech oligarchs, I'm not saying that like the average person in your church, the average person listening to this is thinking mm-hmm. in terms of this sounds like conspiracy, but it, that they're thinking in terms of this, but the folks who run social media are policing your thing, your sermon series that has nothing to do with politics. And they decide that's a threat, we need to, we need to like take that off of there. Mm -hmm. I believe they're they're showing us that this is a huge issue moving forward and they don't want anyone speaking out against it. That's my hunch.
1: And Ryan, you know, you know something else too talking about this this whole thing, you mentioned Marxism so much. I just gave a basic you know, bio of Karl Marx. Yeah. I was stunned at how many people didn't know anything about him. Here's this guy who's right. an atheist and he, he he lived as an adult off of his rich friend mm. and spent his time at the British Museum, mm. maybe it was a coffee shop, I don't know, philosophizing and writing and, and breathing the free air mm. of London. Yes. And this is the guy?
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I totally agree. And, and what's so cool about that, I mean, in terms of the bio, is you go back and you're like, wow, that's not unlike that guy I know who hangs out at Starbucks all day. <laughs> yeah, strange. you know, like yes. uh, that guy. And he, and by the way, I was in seminary yeah. pastor and I knew a lot of seminary students that hung out in coffee shops all day. Yeah. And mom yes. and dad were paying for seminary or yeah. uh, they had a spouse who was paying for seminary. A lot of these mm-hmm. were dudes that were just, sitting, sitting yeah. down all day. Um, and I'm not, look, that's a season. I'm not, I'm not going against seminary, mm-hmm. but like this idea where you become a philosopher, uh, and it's not rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is Lenin later, he reads Marx, but he reads it in seminary. Seminary became the incubator. It wasn't a safe space. Unreal! Human. I didn't know that. So uh, for 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 Lenin, and he was Gosh. reading. Uh, now it was an Eastern Orthodox seminary. Mm-hmm. But the point is, um, later when that same church, that Eastern Orthodox church, you point this out in your series, was was uh, debating over the color of robes. Uh, yes. The, the the Marxist revolution was taking over. That's right. Russia. So that literally was what was happening. And I think in many ways, I think the seminaries and their voice was, you know, in the churches, they were being neutralized. Um,
1: right. I want to run this thought by you, too. Okay. As I'm, as I'm trying to still talk about this, this topic, you know, I try to make it to where everyone can grasp it. And, and so I've been saying, like, Marxism, one quick phrase might be divide and conquer. Is that a good phrase?
0: Absolutely. Divide and conquer? Okay. It's about How power. About, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: okay. How about, so So that's what you say. It's about power. I'm going to write that down. Okay. How about critical theory? I put challenge and overthrow, mm-hmm. or what, 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 would you, what would you say? What's a, what's a better phrase? Let's,
0: let's reverse that. Uh, and the reason is, is because, uh, let's okay. go back. Uh, conquer and overthrow is Marxism. Divide divide and conquer is critical theory, and here's the reason why.
1: See, that's the story of my academic career, getting stuff backwards. That's why I made it in the art. See, (laughs) that's why I'm a pretty good artist right there. You got it.
0: Brother, I, I love this because it's great. This is this is this is not how I normally do these these interviews and these podcasts, but I love it because this is a good conversation. This so is Marx.
1: So so Marx is about Marxism is about challenge co- and overthrow, co-
0: overthrow power structures, the oppressor, dividing,
1: is Critical theory.
0: Critical theory is divide and conquer, and here's how. Right. You take a normal church, a healthy church, okay. pastor, and you take this marx Arita and critical theory. And you start to convince the body of Christ that there is another gospel. And this one's better. It's more compassionate. It's more empathetic. It's more just. so brilliant. And you then just, what did you do? You divided the body of Christ against one another. And what then happens is the church, which was supposed to charge the gates of hell, the gates of hell have charged the church now. And it, by the way, I don't believe the gates of hell will ever prevail against the church. I don't ever exactly. believe that. But the devices of Satan is to divide and conquer within the church yes. by getting us to argue against one another. Right. We, we, we're arguing about the personality of the man in the White House. We can't even get Christians to agree to vote on abortion. Amen. We can't get Christians to agree on much of anything anymore. Because we we're dividing the body of Christ over small things. And, and I think that, that thing, that divide and conquer, is exactly what critical theory does. Um, you drink. Okay, it, how would
1: you say it? What would you say a, a quick, pithy phrase would be about postmodernism? Truth is relative? Truth
0: is totally relative. Well, what else? Well, it's kind of like if you're an artist, uh, it's like an impressionist painting. Um, it, what does it look like to you? What do you see in the picture? Uh, and so people are are um, completely subjective. Uh, it's kind of like the thing we've all warned people about Bible study. Well, how what how does this passage make you feel? You know. Uh, and yes. so people come to the Bible study, and everybody's giving their opinion. Well, I think it means this. Well, I think it was like no, that's that's postmodernism. I mean, that's basically no, no. the the the, the authorial intent matters. Um, this yes. is why we don't have constitutionalists anymore, because we don't go back to authorial intent. So when we start to read with a postmodern eyes in scripture, when the Bible is very clear about sexual sin, mm-hmm. the Bible is clear about lying, cheating, theft, all of those things, the postmodern way of looking at it is to say, well, yeah, but I don't think that's really what that means. Or I think that's a metaphor for something else. Um, that's right. So we start to then, like these impressionists, you know, we, we start to, to look at it through the eyes of an artist or something else and not see it for the truth that it is. Black ink on white paper, this is the word of God, which, by the way, the mm-hmm. whole Bible is red letter, I should say, because it's all the words of Christ. It's all the words that's of right. God. Um, we don't privilege one text over another. That's right. You know, anyway. Yeah,
1: I was going to ask you another question, Ryan, about that though, because that that's so good. So, emotion that that's just so how how do you how do you think emotion and I guess emotion and feelings play into? I know I've already asked this in a different way. Marxism, critical theory, and postmodernism. Like, how do you?
0: Yeah, I so the the, the way I would or just, maybe how yeah. do you how how if you were me.
1: Mm-hmm. How do you show people through this the futility of basing everything on emotion? That's what I'm asking you.
0: So what's what's interesting and I I do believe this about uh the generation we um uh we will determine and it's like Romans okay so in the book yeah. of Romans you have Romans chapter 1 where it talks about uh the 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 the, the the faulty of their sin. And he's talking Mm -hmm. about secular society. He's talking, he's writing to the church of Rome, but he's talking about how they have forsaken God, their creator and worship created things, given over to their lust and desires. And then it says, God gave them over. And so uh, it even talks about homosexual relationships. But in Romans chapter two, it talks about this sort of natural law, general general understanding of things that they become a law unto themselves. So, there is a man made righteousness mm-hmm. uh, that is divorced from the truth of God's word. Until God comes in, until a messenger of God comes and preaches the gospel, that's all they're ever gonna know. That's all a, a secular world's gonna know. So, this is where it comes into this, this thing about raw emotion. We have a man made righteousness that, um, you know, woe to him who calls good evil and evil good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a society that is caught up in the emotions where then we vilify truth because truth is mean, unkind, unloving. Um, and then we, we parade around with, look, you know, we've been able to grab the hold of these people that are self-proclaimed victims,
1: mm-hmm. victim
0: groups, the oppressed. Right. And yes. the, hopefully if this makes sense where I'm going with this, but the emotion of that is always waning. The person who's right in this moment, it's like the French Revolution in the Reign of Terror. The, the thing that Robespierre created was a guillotine to get rid of all these oppressors. At the end of the revolution, guess who goes to the guillotine?
1: Hmm. Robespierre.
0: Yeah. So right. the, very, the traps that we're all creating in these moments where it's all caught up in emotion, yeah. this this next moment, you just wait, it's going to turn on that person. And then they're going to be coming after that person because that person isn't righteous about this particular thing. And so when you think about Marxism and deconstruction and critical theory and the emotion of this moment, people are caught up in what? It's not truth. It's disorder. It's chaos. In the next, you just wait five more minutes and the person that was on top, all of a sudden that person is now on bottom. And they're they're bad because of this thing. so. Truth is not in this equation. This is where I think it's going to go and play out. You know, unless you, unless people like you stand up for the truth, mm-hmm. for the gospel, and put a, a stake in the ground, um, the person who thinks they're okay because they posted the BLM square, they're coming back around to eat that person on something else. I'm just saying. There, there's you yeah, know, never- Ron. There's a
1: guy. Um, yeah. When my, when my book came out, I'll be careful how I tell the story, but. I had an opportunity to be interviewed by, by someone with millions and millions of people watching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll, just, I'll just put it that way. And 12 hours before this interview, you might have heard me say this in the message. He texted me and said he saw me talking to some pastors. And I said what you said earlier. I totally agree with the phrase Black Lives Matter. Yes, Black Lives Matter. But I said I do not agree with the organization, you know, et cetera. I said that so many people are 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 hooking up with Black Lives Matter, and they don't realize where this hype train is going. And I talked about you know Marxism, disintegration of the nuclear family. This guy canceled me just because I said that. So. To go back to the question you said earlier, what would you say to pastors yeah. who stand? Yeah, many times the devil, when you first stand, will slap you down and you'll think, man, maybe I should just talk about empathy and compassion. You know, you start you start playing defense on your heels.
0: Mm.
1: Well, I, I call some great trusted friends. They prayed with me. I said, man, I'm gonna stand for this, you know, whatever. And so after that point, that was a defining moment. You know, that's when I said, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to, anyway.
0: Yes. Two, okay. Thank you for that. And I know that's important. And yeah. it's, it's huge. I want to, two final questions as, as, as we kind of wrap. And by the way, thank you for your time, Pastor. And thank you for this conversation. This is huge. I think about the young generation. I think about the next generation. Um, what is something that you would say to young people um, as a word of encouragement? in this mm-hmm. this moment of uncertainty because we don't yes. know the future of this country and where it's going but then a challenge to them not to give up the truth like to you know to stand firm to have courage what would you say to young people we're at by the way on the campus of Liberty University so we have these students here Oh yeah what, I love
1: Liberty is an amazing school I mean I went to Florida State Yeah man right now if I could take it back to when I was 17 I'd go to Liberty
0: Awesome Amen. No I wouldn't question. I feel the same way about uh, about the Longhorns. I went to UT yes. Austin, and I'm just telling you, there is no way I'd go to Austin, Texas today uh, in this no. in this environment, this climate. Absolutely agree mm-hmm. with you.
1: I would say to young people, man, I love your energy. I love you know the the compassion, empathy, but make sure you're directing it toward the Bible mm-hmm. that you know and get to understand and apply. The Bible, truth is, is is devoid of feelings. I mean, I don't care how I feel or you feel. Truth is truth, and and I just would would like for them to, I would challenge them to live by truth. Also, too, they're carriers of truth, and I would just challenge them to build bridges mm. to people who don't know the Lord personally, mm. and pray high risk prayers for them. They'll have opportunities. <laughs> to share Jesus, and that's one of the fastest tracks to spiritual maturity As you begin to share your faith. You'll begin to have these conversations. You'll begin to think about the things that we're talking with. You'll begin to read. You'll begin to study. So I would say the first thing would be getting under the authority of God's word, no matter if you feel it or not. Number two, unashamedly, rubbing shoulders with people who aren't believers in in zones that are neutral, in areas that will not cause you to compromise. Mm-hmm. And I would say number 3, get involved and start serving in a church. If you're Amen. not serving, you're swerving. It's about the church, you know?
0: Amen. So
1: so in in the church we're to we're to serve and we're to sow and we're to share. Mm. It's that simple but that profound. And you're not always going to agree with everything in, in in the church. I mean, obviously, theologically, generally, but I mean, you're going to have people you don't like or why are we doing this or whatever. But that's just like a marriage, man. You got to get married. Stay with it. Because I've been married 38 years. I know you thought I was 38 years old. <laughs> right. I've been married 38 years. I've been married 38 years. Uh, four kids, four grandkids. And man, we are reaping the benefits of faithfulness. Now, Perfection, faithfulness and and in this generation, I see so many people church hopping and shopping and bopping that that they don't understand they don't really get into the 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 implications of serving in the church, being a part of a church, you know, for a long time for for generations.
0: Amen, Pastor, where are we going on this series by the way what's what's next on this? You have a third part. Is that right? Come well, on.
1: You just wrote it for me. Uh. I took all the notes, and I'm just gonna say what you said.
0: Awesome. And people are gonna
1: go. People are gonna go. Man, you are smart. I go. No, I just uh, ask smart people questions. <laughs> I
0: appreciate that.
1: No, Listen. you know, seriously though, what I yeah. what I was thinking about doing. Um, I'll i inside. Um. Maybe freedom of speech. I was going to get into that a little bit. Freedom of religion. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, I, I had an idea about transgenderism. I don't know. Um, mm. I have this thing too. let me let me run this by worldview. Yes. Okay. Again, this is whatever. okay. I love it. We have 50,000 thoughts a day. Yep, so I thought about thoughts. That's at the bottom. If thoughts are either biblical or secular. Okay? The next one' is truth. Universal or relative. Mm. The next is emotion. It's either a byproduct mm. of, of of truth or it's foundational. Mm. Behavior, it's either glorifying God or glorifying self. And the result is I discover my destiny in the Lord or death. Mm. Does, that, does that make sense? So what I did was yeah. I just put on the board, Thoughts, truth, emotion, behavior, result. And in one column, here's the biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, this will be the results of your life. Mm. And the other is a, I could say, Marxist, Yeah. you know, critical theory worldview. What do you think about that I, line?
0: I like that. And, and it... Because what when we go to the scripture, the scripture teaches. Oh no! Us. I don't hear what you
1: say about a worldview. That's just what I said.
0: I love it. No, this is great. No,
1: I want to hear it because I'll because I'll write it down and use it.
0: <laughs> what I love about it, brother and, and, and pastor, and I I I I, I love that uh, the Bible teaches us how to think. The Bible teaches us how to feel. And the, t- the Bible ultimately teaches us how to act. And so when you think, think, feel, and act, you were talking about the behavior and you're talking about yeah. our, our passion or desire. If you're doing that and it's based, it's rooted in mm-hmm. Bible, that does shape your worldview and your thinking. And I think what, what's happening as Satan tries to disciple the world in relativism yes. and whatever the worldly philosophy is, you know, if you live in other parts of the world, it's a different cancer culture in yep. that particular place our cancer right. culture is the cancel culture yes in this particular moment satan is discipling people how to think how to feel how to act and ultimately wow. as it says in first john when our desires are fully you know give birth to sin when sin is fully grown it gives birth to death so we we've right. we got to Um, we have got to be rooted in biblical truth. Okay,
1: uh, what's your best uh, text that you like about feelings, (laughs) how to feel? Oh, no. Yeah, just off the top of your head.
0: Well, I I love this. uh, Okay, so this is where I'm going to take a... I'm going to go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37, and 38. He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the deal about this. John Calvin. Some people, when you mention John Calvin, that's scary, okay? No, I'm not scared of John. Follow me, though, on John, because John Calvin writes his Institutes of the Christian Religion, and he begins by saying to the king of France, to know God first is to then know thyself. You cannot know yourself without knowing God. So I go back to what Jesus says, which is, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind straight. You can't love what you don't know. you got to know God. you got to love God. He will govern your passions and your desires ultimately. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things is our heart is deceitful above all things, as Scripture warns us. Um, So we need to seek God above all. He will then give us the desires of our heart. I think that's where it starts. It starts by knowing God, then loving what you know. And then from loving, from knowing God, loving God, then you know how to love others. Yeah. And I think that is then uh, what governs our passions and and then says, hey, do not follow that thing. That's right. Because you know who the Lord is. Yeah. Amen. Slap your neighbor. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Slap your neighbor.
0: Hey Pastor, I got a question. Can we do this again? Can we do is Are that... you kidding me? Anytime. Yes, sir. Brian.
1: Amen. Brian, you know what? I, I've enjoyed this conversation as much as any conversation I've had in a long time.
0: Awesome. Me too. I'm serious. Me too. Me too. No, I mean you you I, I really,
1: I really um, I'm so glad in God's sovereignty that we that we connected because man, I've learned so much by listening to you. Well,
0: Pastor, you've ministered to me. Um, thank you for what you're doing at Fellowship Church. I know that hey, we're you're gonna reaching We're going to bring world. you to Fellowship Church. Okay. <laughs> My Are pleasure. Anytime, anytime. Yes. Anytime, brother. Follow uh, Pastor Ed Young Jr. at the Fellowship Church. And, and by the way, what's that Twitter uh, hashtag? What's your, your at? What, well, what's your Twitter handle?
1: Instagram is Ed underscore Young. At Ed underscore Young.
0: Okay, perfect. Instagram. Yeah. That's where we go. All right. I love it. We're signing off on the Falkirk Center podcast.